0: I'm Brett. He is Greg. Welcome to Thursday afternoon. Just want to very quickly. We forgot to thank Not a Dude. Yes, we, we did. We finished using our gift certificate today mm-hmm. for the Slurpees. Yep. Uh, from Not a Dude, one of our loyal listeners who yep, sends us you. these letters all the time, which are always very amusing. Guess what? I got another one. You got another one today? Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll uh, read it later on in the program. Mm. We got presents, too. Really? hmm Not a Dude just keeps showering us with generosity and, and humor, so thank you, Not a Dude. That's so, the name that, that she's <laughs> going by, her, Not give, a Dude. Give,
1: giving herself. Hey, uh, so we're at the 7-Eleven, and a guy asked me if I want to download the 7-Eleven app. And I said, well, what does that do? <laughs> well, it keeps track of how many Serpies you buy. <laughs> and I'm like... Dude, that's not what I need. I do not need some sort of computer algorithm which analyzes and keeps track of the number of Slurpees that I purchase over any time period, let alone the summer. So I will politely decline your offer to download your app.
0: No matter how much it is, though, Greg, mm-hmm. I, would, I hope you can take some solace in the fact that it can't be as much as I used to drink, because when I used to work Saturday Sunday mornings at CJOB. I used to be the morning anchor on the weekend. Yes. For breakfast, I would stop. So this is like, we're talking at like 2.30 in the morning because I would start at 3 a.m. Right. I'd stop at 7-Eleven while the drunk people were still going home because there was a bar right across the street from the 7-Eleven I went to at Regent and Plessy's. I'd get the, the biggest Slurpee they had. I'd get a bag of sour cream and bacon ruffles. And then I'd end up smoking half a pack of cigarettes before 5 a.m. So You were the picture of health. <laughs> <'Cause>, because health. <laughs> Woo,
1: health. So I'm glad to know that you've cut out at least a good portion of that stuff from your yeah. from your lifestyle. But, yeah, I don't need an electronic app. Something on my phone telling me how many Slurpees I've had. I don't care if you're giving me a free one or not. No, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to talk about transit in the next half hour. We're going to visit with a group we haven't visited uh, visited with before. They're called, what are they called, Brett? Functional Transit Winnipeg. They're bringing a gentleman in by the name of Jarrett Walker. They're going to talk about human transit tonight at the Manitoba Museum. We'll get some insight into that group and find out what they are all about. We'll discuss transit in Winnipeg overall. And Brett, you should be proud of me. I disagree with uh, quite of the f- quite a few things that they <laughs> stand for in fact. So we might have a little bit of heated if not uh, possibly informative conversation after
0: 1:30. So well, I I, I you know I would, I'm not the one who categorizes you as an extreme liberal. It's, our, it's some of our listeners who like to yeah, joke, and yeah. like to send texts and they joke do. and say, God, oh, oh, Mackling, you're all Yes. You're, you're, was it your grandpa? Yeah. That you yeah. were talking about? Boy, if I could tell stories out of
1: school on that one, but I won't do that. Uh, we're also going to talk with and visit with uh, Carolyn Clausen, our uh, good friend, every Thursday afternoon at 2.30. We're talking about Mother's Day, and Mother's Day, of course, a celebration of moms for some people... It's a pretty difficult time of the year, mm-hmm. in fact, and we'll talk about how to deal with that and the different ways people may be struggling with Mother's Day. But before we do any of that, we're going to take a pseudo walk down memory lane. Is that what we're doing?
0: I think so. And there's a there, there's a clip, and this was uh, we want to thank Kim Lawson in the newsroom for reminding of the, us of this. She says, "Oh, there's a great clip from The Office that." kind of summarizes all of this. And I looked it up, and sure enough, here's Andy from the final episode of The Office with a thought that kind of sets up what we want to talk about. The weird thing is, now I'm exactly where I want to be. I got my dream job at Cornell. And I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Someone should write
2: a song about that.
0: No real need to play the music, but I just love the, uh, the theme song so much from The Office. But that was so more about his friends, but I think still it, it kind of is representative of this, man, I wish that I had paid more attention to what was happening while it was happening.
1: And we're talking about this because of the paddlewheel princess is no more. Uh, fire last night up in Selkirk on the shores of the Red River. Uh, so the paddlewheel princess will will never again ply. Is that the word? The ri- the river the waters Ooh, of downtown like Winnipeg. Why the water. Yes. Uh, the, the Lord Selkirk before that, a similar fate uh, vandalized over the years and then kind of cut up and used as scrap. We had that reminiscence, that yearning for days of yore when the drive-in, when it was announced that the drive-in, the last drive-in in Winnipeg out in Headingley was going to be closing down. And then it got a stay of ed- execution and was open for one more year. And the, and the folks at the movie company, I don't remember which one it was at the Cineplex time, but was Odeon. it Cineplex Odeon, said, uh, you know what? Yeah, you gave it a good shot, but it's still not enough. It's not worthwhile keeping it open. And the Winnipeg Jets, when they left in 1996, they got a one-year stay of execution. There was no chance that any minds were going to be changed or the fate of the hockey team was going to change. But for the years after, the 16 years after the Jets left, uh, going to Jets games and being a fan of the Jet Jets was a very romantic notion. Maybe not as romantic as it was when people had an opportunity to be fans of the Jets the first time around. And so it just got us thinking about this idea of, do we celebrate the things that we have in a sufficient form when they're around? So that when they go away, either because they go out of business or for some other reason, we're not going, geez, I sure wish that had stuck around. (laughs) And so Manitoba Tourism has this launch today. And it's like, do we have what people are looking for in terms of being a tourist destination.
0: Have you seen the ads that they've produced? I
1: have. They're
0: spectacular.
1: And the last round of ads, the first time I remember, the first time I saw uh, the Canada's Heartbeat uh, commercials, the rusting hulk of that ship in in Churchill, I had no idea where it was. And I'm watching this commercial. I think it was during a Jets game. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, where is this? And it's like, oh, that's Churchill. Yep. Yeah. It's in Manitoba, and I think for a lot of people, we've talked about this before, going to Churchill, bucket list stuff, right? People from outside of our market clearly are getting this because they're as busy as can be up in Churchill, but what about the other things around Manitoba? And if we don't feel as though there's anything to market, why are we bothering? And if we do feel as though there's something to market, why aren't we going headlong into North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Saskatchewan, as opposed to Air Canada, Montreal, Toronto. I give Travel Manitoba credit for marketing our province and doing it, I think, in a very uh, fashionable way. But I think they're missing the point in terms of who you should be targeting.
0: Yeah, because I can't tell you how many times I've seen ads for... Places like Minnesota or North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wisconsin even is one of the states that I see ads for. I, mean, I often see ads for like California. Now, I don't know if those ads are airing on Canadian television or no. if it's just airing on a whatever like American network I happen to be watching. You no, know, the California,
1: they know to target Canada. Uh, they know in Wisconsin that people are driving 12, 13, 14 hours to get to the Dells to go to the water parks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what they market. They market the water parks. Come, come, come. I know people that went there just two weeks ago. Really? The outdoor parks aren't even open. They just went to go stay at a big hotel with a big indoor water park. We're missing, man. I don't want to open the water park conversation, <laughs> but we are missing the boat big time without having a, you know, there's that word again, world class, but having a preeminent, having a destination type water park in this community, I think I might be out on an Island by myself somewhere, but I don't think I am having a world class water park as big as any, anywhere in North America. And I would have it with a retractable roof so you can enjoy it in the winter and the summertime. Ooh. Who wants to go inside when it's 30 degrees outside? No big deal. We're going to have the roof open today. Come and play. Four hotels, one on either corner, and let's just do it upright. And you know what? Like I said, if we don't have anything to brag about, let's let's stop trying. Let's stop pretending. But I think the real answer is we've got lots to brag, brag about here.
0: Well, if you just look at, for example, how many how much cottage country there is that is accessible for Winnipeggers, which within, in many cases, under an hour, which is not necessarily the case if you're in Ontario. For example, my cousins my family in Essex, which is near, just outside of Windsor, I think their cabin is like a six-hour drive into the middle of nowhere, whereas I can't tell you how many friends I have who have, yeah, we're going out to the cottage, we'll be there in an hour. Yep. Door to door, 47 minutes, 52 minutes,
1: an hour 20. Oh, I've got to take a boat to my island. Oh, it's two hours, 20 minutes (laughs) by the time I get there. And you're a world away, Yep, you know. And uh, my buddy John, who lives in the Okanagan, lived in Manitoba for a long time. We went out to visit them last year, him and his family. And I said, why don't you guys come out this year? We'll rent a cottage out at West Hawk and we'll just spend a week. Just on West Hawk Lake, we can go to Falcon Lake, we can go golfing, we can go to Kenora, spend a, we'll drive into the city, spend a couple of days, go to the zoo, what have you. And he said, you know what? I don't even want to go to the lake. There's so many things to do in Winnipeg that I haven't done since I moved away 15 years ago. I want to do that with my daughter and with my wife. Mm-hmm. And he started listing off stuff, and then I added to the list, and it was like, yeah, we've got like four or five days worth of stuff to do. Easy without
0: any problem. For sure. I And I really like the, the tourism ad that focuses specifically on winter, winter in Manitoba, where they talk about, I think the line they use in the ad is, when the temperature is cooling down, we're just warming up. And I think that's great, and we've talked about that a lot in this we have. Uh, on this show. But, the, I mean, the way that it's shot, it's just, it takes scenes that are so regular to us as Winnipeggers, things that we see every day while we're, on a bus to work or driving to work or just kind of mindlessly going from point A to point B and they shoot it. It just looks sensational. It actually makes our city, our community, our province look like another world. Like it's a a continent away. No, it's right here in our backyard and they're trying to get people to come here and enjoy it. So I like that. I think that's great. I think the ads are great. The Churchill thing that I, as I guess that makes sense to market it to outsiders, I would love to go to Churchill, but that is, as you pointed out, it's a bucket list. For me, that's an aspirational vacation just because of the cost. Right. When I hear how much it costs, I think, oh my God. But market it, yeah, that needs to be marketed. If people have the money, that's easily one of the, well, we've heard it's like a bucket list vacation for people all over the globe.
1: Yes, 100% it is. And they only have so many resources, right, up in Churchill. They only have so many hotel rooms, so many flights in, so many... Uh, days where the train is an option. And so uh, I think they're marketing the heck out of it. It's been super successful. Uh, I just would like to see us direct our marketing at markets that would be a little bit more accessible for Winnipeg to come to Winnipeg by car. Just spend a couple days. We're not saying come and spend two weeks here. That's going to be a tough sell. But come spend a few days. We've got lots to offer, way more than you can possibly imagine, imagine and here's a few things for you to ponder.
0: two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. 6868 what do you think we should be marketing in Manitoba? Yep, yeah, Churchill is great. Yes, winter is great. I think as a community, we are starting to finally embrace winter as opposed to just complaining about it. And hey... If you complain about winter, I'm right there with you. I hate it, but it is cool that we're trying to find ways to enjoy it, and maybe one day I won't hate it so much because of efforts like this. But are there other things that we should be marketing? Maybe there is a hidden gem that you think should be on the map. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It's the number to text. Again, that number, 204-780-6868. We'd love to hear your voice. You can also email brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is up next.
1: Greg and Brett with you through until uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Let's market clean air and lower home prices. If people here say there's nothing worth uh, coming to Manitoba for, that'll bring in the Torontonians and Vancouverites.
0: (laughs) Is that how you describe people from Vancouver? Vancouverites? Vancouverites, that's... Absolutely accurate. I didn't know that. Yeah. Learn something new every day. You certainly do. Uh,
1: We're talking about some of the ways that we could market uh, Manitoba, even better. Should we say it that way? Even better than we already are. Yeah. Because clearly uh, the province is investing more money. It's a $1.5 billion industry in our province. Uh, This on the heels of Travel Manitoba, launching more commercials. The part of the plan that I have a little bit of issue with is the fact that Not that they're going to be advertising on Air Canada flights. People who travel for business like to travel for pleasure. People who have the means to travel travel by air. That's really good. Focusing on Toronto and Montreal, I'm not sure about that. I would love to know the rationale behind it. I don't understand why we're not marketing more to Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, even Iowa, these parts of uh, the central uh, North America where it's a 40% bargain to come to Manitoba right now, and you can drive here in a day.
0: That's because of the dollar,
1: because of the dollar.
0: Okay, yeah, and well, the Air Canada thing could be because all flights, not all, but generally speaking, most flights go through Toronto, uh, and to a lesser extent Montreal. If you're heading anywhere east or even right. anywhere south, a lot of times, even if you want to go to like somewhere in the American Midwest or even the Pacific West, you got to go through Toronto sometimes. So, right, so that that. I can see sort of that, but I do. I'm not saying the strategy is entirely sound. I do think that they should. We should be aiming directly at states that are within driving distance in the United States. Uh, we had. Uh, let's see. Here's a here's a text from Steve. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this cold and see. Do
1: you Do want to? No, you don't. You know, do we have? Yeah, we have, we have a call. Line, yeah, let's do that. Let's okay, go to Bev and, Beth and you I'll can, read this. You can see if you can read that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bev, how are you this afternoon? I'm very good.
3: Glad you guys are on, because then I can laugh.
1: Okay, well, we appreciate that. What, what are your ideas to get more peeps coming to Winnipeg?
3: Okay, well, tomorrow is Manitoba's 147th
1: birthday, I believe. I believe you're 100% correct on that. What's the date? The, nine, 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 oh, the 12th. The 12th, May 12th? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll take your word
3: for that. Okay, well, I, you know, it's something else. Like, I haven't, the boats, when us girls, nursing students... We went on the old, you know, on the river there, and it was just the greatest thing because we could drink, you know.
0: (laughs) I remember (laughs) those days really well, Bev,
1: let me tell you.
3: (laughs) You, We were too young to drink at those days Mm -hmm. when we were in nursing.
0: Well, I think that uh, some things never change, Bev, because (laughs) there are still people who maybe maybe are too young to drink who are doing it anyway.
3: Uh, Yeah, well, in in my day, you didn't do those things. Oh, no, of course not,
0: Bev. <laughs> of course not. I'm oh. winking at you through the phone right
1: now, and no, you're ab- no. we absolutely right. We were
0: good girls. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs>
1: okay, Bev. <laughs> Have a good time, guys. Thank you, Bev. That's Bev Trump lying <laughs> through her teeth on uh, Nacling and McGarry. Uh, May 12th is, in fact, uh, Manitoba Day. It's our birthday tomorrow. How about that?
0: And Steve here, he sent a couple of texts, but I'll I'll point this one out. If you're into canoeing, you can travel from Little White Shell Lake through Big White Shell Lake down. White Shell River and end up by Falcon Lake. That's a great thing, and, and I can't remember off the top of my head. I think his name is Tristan. He's the they, those canoe uh, tours, is it canoe tours. Yeah. Oh, uh, it is. It is Tristan. And I can't think of the name of their company
1: right off the top of my head. So but point, yes, they do exactly that.
0: Yeah. They, he's found a way to to market Southern Manitoba through canoe trips, and it's gaining international attention. So, great point, Steve. It is coming up to one thirty. On six eighty CJOB
1: one thirty four on this Thursday afternoon at two thirty Carolyn Clausen will be here. We'll talk about Mother's Day, uh, the special role that mothers play in our lives, and also the fact that Mother's Day can be a, a difficult time of year for. For those uh, without their moms, for those uh, moms that may have lost a child or children along the way, maybe you had an acrimonious relationship with your mother, you don't really speak to her anymore. Lots of different angles to that conversation coming up at 2.30 with Carolyn Kloss. And in the meantime, we're going to talk about transit in Winnipeg. And a little bit of a bonus here, we didn't realize that we were going to get... Uh, the guest that we've uh, managed to get here, human transit author Jarrett Walker joins us by phone. And in studio with us, Joe Cornelson. He is functional with Functional Transit Winnipeg. They are presenting the presentation that uh, Jarrett will be uh, giving tonight at the Manitoba Museum. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming in studio with us. Maybe tell us a little bit about what's going on tonight and about your group.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Tonight we've got uh, Jarrett Walker doing a presentation at the Manitoba Museum. That's at 190 Rupert uh, Avenue, and that will be taking place at seven o'clock tonight. He's going to be talking about uh, concepts in transit, how to make how to humanize transit, which is sort of what we called the event. Um, We're we're super excited about this. Our group has been advocating for higher frequency transit service in Winnipeg. Uh, We'd like to see a lot more of that. We'd like to see a network that. Uh, really meets transit riders needs that creates the kind of freedom uh to make transit a reliable choice in Winnipeg so
1: is it less than reliable now in your uh in your mind joe uh
3: yeah it it certainly is and well it's it's good enough it's it's good enough for many riders like a lot of people are are you know they'll take transit and and it meets their basic needs but you know it could go a lot further a lot of people don't take transit if we look at the ridership numbers in Winnipeg, they could be a lot higher. People are choosing other modes of transportation, and we think uh, that transit could actually meet those needs if it if it was provided uh, frequently, reliably, and, and affordably, competitively priced.
1: Well, why don't we bring Jarrett Walker onto the, on the conversation. Jarrett, thanks for uh, taking some time with us. We appreciate you being in Winnipeg and taking some time out of your short visit here with us this afternoon on the air. Uh, talk about the idea of humanizing transit.
4: Well, what I really mean is that if we plan transit with the goal of giving people more liberty and opportunity, that is, if we plan transit with the goal of expanding where people can get to quickly so that they have more jobs and opportunities in their lives, that turns out to also be the thing that expands ridership most effectively. So there's a lot you can do with the design of the network that can expand those opportunities for people. And ultimately, that effect of making transit more useful, making it the logical choice in more situations, really tends to be the key to growing the usefulness of the system and thus its ridership over time.
0: Jared, can you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your background and what it is uh, about you that has made Functional Transit Winnipeg bring you to our city?
4: Well, um, I've been doing... uh, transit network planning as a consultant for almost 25 years. And about six years ago, I wrote a book about it, Human Transit, which seems to be the main book that's out there that's written to an ordinary reader whose purpose is really to help anyone think about transit issues themselves, to think about what the geometry is, um, how the simple math works, and what that means about the choices that we really have to make. So, you know, since then, I've, I've been doing a lot of major network design studies you know, across North America and Australia, and now starting to work in Europe. And um, so that's probably the primary basis for why they invited me.
1: So the word frequency has come up a couple of times, not only off the air, but now on the air. And is that one of the keys to public transit being effective, Jared?
4: Yes. And you know what? This You need to notice that this is a thing that many people will need to stop and think about. It's not obvious. Look, I know many people are listening in their cars right now. And if you're in your car, you know what speed and reliability are because you experience those as a motorist. But frequency is a really different kind of problem, and it's a problem unique to transit, which is the weight, the time between the, the difference between when you want to go and when transit is going. And we really find that as we attack the weight, and particularly as we get the waiting time down below about 10 or 15 minutes we see a complete transformation in who finds transit useful because there are many many people who are perfectly open to transit but who just don't have time to wait 20 minutes or 30 minutes and right and there are there are some things we can do that you can do i think to make the transit system clearer and more attractive to those people So that where there is good high-frequency service, people will see that and be able to use it. And also, by the way, be able to think about that when they make location choices.
1: So, you know, I know in Winnipeg there's a little bit of a mandate to have every house within, I think it's uh, 800 metres or less, of a bus stop. I don't know how we're doing in the suburbs. I know that when I grew up downtown, I had several options within two or three block walk. Uh, The whole idea of frequency, uh, I get that. But with technology now. Shouldn't we always know where the bus is and whether or not it's going to be on time?
4: Yes. And, you know, I travel in many cities. I have the app. The app tells me when I'm going to have to wait 25 minutes for the bus, but that still doesn't change the fact that I have to wait 25 minutes for the bus. See, it you know, the app is not a solution to the problem of frequency. Um, <clears throat> the app does other great things. One of the things real-time apps have done is that bus stops are less crowded because everybody shows up three minutes before the bus goes because they they listen to the app which tells them to do that. Um, but the fact that we have real time information doesn't isn't an excuse for running worse service. That's that's just not how it works. The app will tell you that the service is terrible, but that doesn't solve your problem.
0: So, Jarrett, then, uh, and I, I kind of like the idea of having more buses on the road because I am one of those people who might actually take the bus more often if I knew that I wouldn't have to wait 20 minutes if I happen to miss the bus by 90 seconds or whatever. But the if we have more frequency, that means more buses on the road, who's going to pay for that?
4: Well, you have to think about it in terms of what happens if you choose not to pay for it. Um, the money's going to have to come from somewhere. It's, um, there's no question about that. But here's the larger issue. Your city is growing quite rapidly. Your transit system is not growing. So what that means is that on the, you know, per citizen, from the perspective of the average citizen, that you should expect the transit experience to be getting worse because we're spreading the same resources over more and more people. So your current situation is not sustainable. And the question of who pays has to start with the question of why does somebody need to pay and has to start with an understanding that something needs to be done because you can't keep growing your city without growing your transit system.
1: Can we do what you're talking about doing, Jarrett? And Joe, I'll get you to chime in on this as well. Can we do it with buses? Because we've had this conversation for 40 years in Winnipeg. Bus Rapid Transit, oh, we need LRT. Nobody's going to take the bus. You need an LRT system to make it sexy, to make it attractive to people to use. Can you do what you're talking about, doing it just with buses, Jared?
4: We are very clear in the business that while many people are attracted to rail, and in particular while while people are attracted to rail when they're tourists or out for recreation and so on, When it comes to -to day-to-day transit use, what matters is that it's frequent and reliable. And And it really doesn't matter that much whether it's on rails or tires. As you've already seen with your Southwest Transitway, it's perfectly possible to run buses in a pattern that makes them every bit as fast and reliable as light rail would be. So that's not really what it's about. The good case for rail is when you've built the bus system up to the point that you can't possibly run any more buses and they're still all crowded. That's where Vancouver is, for example, along its Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, In that kind of situation, then, yes, you definitely need rail because rail means more passengers per driver. But, you know, start with buses. There There are fantastic things you can do with buses. And um, you know vastly improved bus services are happening all over the place now. in fact, when i 'm in Europe, in some European cities, I notice that everything about the buses is absolutely as nice as it is on the light rail it 's the same upholstery. They want people to not worry about that distinction, but to just you know choose the services based on their their speed, frequency, and ultimately their usefulness
3: One of the things i 'd like to add to that too is in many other cities um, it's almost the way that they communicate uh, rapid transit lines, subway lines, uh, that makes them so easy to use, which makes them so great. Uh, while, you know, um, comfortab- uh, comfortability, while well riding is, is certainly a big thing. Uh, the other thing that often doesn't happen with buses um, is that... They don't get communicated as uh, as frequency routes. So if you'd have a, if you'd convey your bus routes, kind of like you convey subway routes, you know, where you've got a you know network of high frequency routes, kind of spidering across the city, uh, that could make that in many ways solves at least for me uh, the issue of, of of communicating this this powerful bus network. I, I think that's a big thing. The way that subways and rapid transit is communicated, can be done with buses, and, and would be a phenomenal uh, improvement in Winnipeg. So
1: isn't this where transitways come nope. in to to different, to spreading out, you talk about a spider spreading out southwest, southeast, northeast, to the east, and then you run those high-frequency routes on the dedicated transit way with a bus, 60-foot, 40-foot, whatever you feel comfortable running, whatever it needs, it's flexible, different times of day, and then the community buses feed into that. Jarrett?
4: Yeah, that's how, that's very much how it works. And, um yeah, that's very much the kind of pattern you need. And also probably you need an orbital pattern. You need some ways of traveling across across the city that don't go through downtown. Um, you don't want to take people. For, you know, people don't want to go far out of their direction to go downtown if they're actually traveling between. Places that are fairly close together, so but yeah that's what a good network plan looks like and again, it really starts with the frequency, the speed, the reliability frequency first of all and um, and I agree with Joe um, there's no reason why bus maps have to be complicated. Um, we can you know it is possible to draw a bus map in which the high frequency services really jump out mm-hmm. are presented as very simple so that you get some of that legibility benefit that you get off of a, a, a typical subway map
0: going to pause our conversation with Jarrett Walker. He is joining us on the phone. He is a guest speaker tonight that is kicking off an event series called Humanizing Traffic, or pardon me, Humanizing Transit, (laughs) and that is happening tonight at 7 o'clock at the Manitoba Museum Planetarium Auditorium at 190 Rupert Avenue. We are also joined in studio by Joe Cornelson, who is with Functional Transit Winnipeg. They are the folks who are putting on these events and our chat will continue after your forecast, which is up next. I'm Brett. He is Greg. In studio, we have with us Joe Cornelson, who is with Functional Transit Winnipeg. They are a group that has organized a series of events called Humanizing Transit, and this event series kicks off with a gentleman who joins us on the phone. His name is Jarrett Walker. He is uh, an internationally recognized transit expert and the author of Humanizing in transit and Jared we wanted to talk about uh, the way that our transit system is largely set up in Winnipeg not entirely but largely set up there are times where I would like to take the bus like if I s- say for example I'm going out on a Saturday night going across town to see some friends and I don't want to drive it'd be nice to be able to take the bus but I have to go through downtown to then get to that area so a trip that takes me 20 minutes in the car ends up taking me almost an hour and a half on the bus. Right. So can you comment on that? Because I understand you have some ideas about changing transit to be more of a grid.
4: A couple things about that. Um, It's completely understandable that you have a network that's primarily focused on going into or out of downtown, because you're historically a very single-centered city, where most of the activity and most of the destinations were downtown. Like most cities, you're growing more decentralized. You're developing more jobs around the edges. You've got you know major shopping centers and so on that are not downtown. That creates a pattern of demand in which many people are not going downtown, and you often need then uh, routes that we sometimes call orbital, which means they orbit around downtown as though it were the sun rather than going into or out of it. Um, and so that's certainly one part of the solution to the problem you're describing. The other part is to re- recognize, though, that transit is not going to compete equally well for everyone. You know, it's going to do best in places that are dense and walkable. And, um, you know, you may be going to a friend's house in a place that just isn't like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's likely that it will, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to provide high-quality transit to everywhere. You know, where we get, really get the ridership path mm-hmm. is by focusing on it. Dense walkable places, uh, which are all over the city, but which are um, you know isn't what everyone lives in.
1: Uh, where does transit-oriented development uh, come in here? This is a buzz word it's a uh, it's a phrase that every community in North America seems to latch on to when they're breaking ground on one of these uh, landmark transportation networks uh, in particular oh, yeah. rail right this is how we're going to pay for it and justify its existence is is there something to that Jared transit oriented development is it something that can be a part of the funding formula for expanded Transit
4: well, let's let like go the, of the buzzword and just understand what we're saying when we talk about that. What we're saying is that a major piece of infrastructure will transform and vastly improve where you can get to easily from a particular point, right? So um, you build a busway, you build a light rail line, and suddenly this station area has access to vastly more of the city because it can get, you know, can get from there to more places quickly. That has a value and that value attached to that location will often show up in land value and will show up as a reasonable, as a good reason to build more right there. And it it makes excellent sense for the transit system to want more people to live in the places that the transit system can serve well. Um, So that sort of development focused around frequent, attractive transit services, real highly useful transit services, is really a win-win. You can get revenue out of it uh, in the form of, it's called tax increment financing, where you, the government captures a little bit of the value of the, land, of the increase in land value that will occur. Um, but it's also just a good thing for, for both transit and the city because you're putting more people in places where transit's going to be a really easy and logical choice for that. I want to emphasize, oh, too, it's not just the giant towers around big stations. There's also lo- everything that gets built along a frequent bus route, even if it's one and two stories, is transit-oriented to a degree, and you get some of that benefit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Joe?
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that Jared's saying. Um, transit-oriented is something that I think we have, uh, you know, we have a real opportunity to tap in Winnipeg. Um, and and our, our initial steps have been, you know, uh, I think a little bit, a little bit tepid. And I, I think that we have an opportunity to really uh, take great strides there. Uh, going back to the comment about downtown, um, I think that, you know, one of the objectives of, you know, you're talking about, you know, when you don't want to go downtown, uh, you want to be, be able to get around downtown, but but additionally, another uh, you know the city is often trying to you know uh, bring more people into downtown, and I think another um, you know issue that Jared often talks about is is temporal span, so so span over time. You know, one of one of the issues in Winnipeg is that we you know our our service is mostly peak oriented. We don't have service operating on weekends. Uh, you know, there isn't great service operating in evenings. You know, if we could expand the length of time of that service into recreation hours, I think that could have a big impact on on actually creating reasons to go downtown as well.
1: Jarrett, thanks very much for this. And uh, your book, uh, I have not read it yet, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be reading it over the weekend. It sounds fascinating and looking forward to uh, the presentation tonight. Thanks for coming to Winnipeg and thanks for uh, doing your homework on our town too.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Great to talk with you.
1: That is uh, Jarrett... Jarrett Walker is... Jarrett Walker, I'm here. sorry, I'm, I'm flipping through my pages here. He's the author of uh, Human Transit and Humanizing Transit uh, with Jarrett Walker happening tonight. Maybe, Joe, invite people down to come and see us.
3: Sure, we'd love to have as many people as possible out there. I think that this is an event that's open, that, that should be open to everyone. It should be, you know, uh, it's not just for transit riders, it's also for folks who don't take transit, who'd like to find out a little bit, you know, why they don't take it. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, reasons why transit, or a lot of ways that transit can be made better, and and I think it could really speak to a lot of uh, folks who use personal automobiles. I'll just add that we've got uh, two more follow-up events, Uh, one that takes place on May 18th. It's going to be a local transit panel with, uh, we're going to have uh, a few different representatives of different uh, organizations uh, to talk about their experience with the network, and then we're also having a a series of roundtable discussions that's going to be taking place on May 27th. That's a Saturday. Both events take place at the Richardson College for the Environment at 599 Portage Avenue.
0: If you missed any of those details, you can go to cjob.com and listen back to the show on demand. Joe Cornelson is the chair of Functional Transit Winnipeg.
1: Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with <laughs> you until 4 o'clock, 2.06. In the sunshine, mostly, there's clouds out there. The weekend looking pretty good, though, and we'll be talking about Mother's Day at 2.30. Before we do that, we're going to talk about Run For It. It's a (laughs) program that culminates in the Run For Women taking place this Sunday, Mother's Day. All proceeds benefit the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba, and in studio with us, we've got a couple of firecrackers and their leader... (laughs) Teacher Carla Allen is the leader of the Firecrackers, are Renz Cruz and Yay. Precious Uzo. They are students at Windsor Park Collegiate, and they're talking about the Run For It program and finding out why they're involved and what they're doing. And you guys have been doing media since, what, about 6.50 this morning? Are you exhausted yet? Not really. Not really? <laughs> Oi,
5: I'm exhausted. Yeah.
1: They almost
6: fell asleep ready? on the car ride. <laughs> really? yeah.
1: Precious is ready for prime time. She's already been <laughs> okay. the, the update on the uh, television here. Precious, tell us about why you've gotten involved in this event.
7: Um. Okay, it started out... Oh, yeah. Because um, I had, like, a friend who was impacted by, like... She had, like, depression. So I'm trying to, like, bring... Um, end the stigma about a mental health in and, like, make more people know about it and... Trying to like, yeah, create awareness. And this is a way for me to give back to my friend and to like make the world know that this exists and we should start doing something about it.
1: And Windsor Park has been really active. They've gotten excited about this. Renz, what role have you had in getting your fellow students excited about this event on Sunday?
5: Well, my main role really is pretty much... Being the face? No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's a handsome young man, <laughs> so
5: um, then if you can see him, you'd understand why. So. so, well, my main role is being enthusiastic and giving it my all for this cause because I really do think it's an important cause that people should pay attention to. And I've always been—I've been giving my all to talk to my classmates, my fellow students, and my community about our program and our like. Our commitment to shoppers love you on in our in our school. So
3: now
0: Carla, the run it happening this Sunday. Where is it where is this happening, by the way?
5: Yeah, the run's
6: happening at Leo Scala Remillard. It's on St. Anne's Road. And the welcome and warm up starts at 8 AM. And the races begin shortly after that, the five K and the 10K.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about the the Run For It program, which has been leading up to this event?
6: Yes, absolutely. The Run For It program is a six-week mental health education program. It's aimed at high school students and junior high students between the ages of 12 to 19 years old. And its goal is to raise awareness about mental illnesses that are out there, give students coping mechanisms to manage mental illness if they are suffering from it or uh, strategies to help their friends who are suffering from it. But it also educates them on the benefits of exercise on their mental well-being. And while we're doing all these mental health (laughs) lessons, we also incorporate training for the Shoppers Love You Run.
1: Well, there's enough research out there for us to realize that there can be benefits uh, it doesn't help everyone, but for a lot of people, physical activity can help in their battle with depression. And Precious, you're nodding your head there. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you validate uh, my statement?
7: Um, yeah, I can. So um, I'll just give an example, right? So um, we do the Run For It program every Wednesday with like a group of other friends at school so we all go around we do lesson first then we run so like normally on a normal day if that was me running all by myself I would have been tired and I always get tired easily but with my friends we like all together laughing and asking everyone to join us on the streets that was fun so like it make me want to continue and do it more so and when I'm done I'm really energized and like happy
1: that so, socialization yeah. piece is huge yeah. right yeah
7: it's kind of like a connection with other people so that's really
0: good. Well, and it's not, it's the socialization helps, but it's also the physical activity. Yeah. And Renz, I know that uh, that's one of the reasons why you're involved. I know that I can tell you from my own personal experience, I try to walk to work every day, <laughs> uh, but I don't, some days I just, you know, today I took I, a little too long getting out of the house, so I, I couldn't. And I always feel kind of sluggish when I get here, when I don't. So what does physical, the correlation between physical activity and mental health mean for you?
5: Well, when I do physical activities, um, it raises my serotonin level in my brain, which is defined as the well-being chemical inside inside your brain. And the higher the serotonin is, the higher the better you feel about yourself. That's why um, whenever I run with my friends, and like my friends are just a bonus. The serotonin level is what really makes me feel happy. Even though, even though like. Even though I'm by myself, just by running by itself, my body feels like it's active and it's doing something instead of just sitting around. So that's why I like it.
1: Without a single note, without a single piece of paper. Yeah. Like a doctor, you need that <laughs> like answer. You know he wants to be it. a doctor <laughs> when he graduates. Well, that's you know what? Plan. That doesn't surprise me at all. Ren's uh, very well spoken, as are you, precious. So... Uh, Talk about this experience of being out in the public and talking about uh, this project and being in front of, you were in front of the TV cameras, I know, at least once this morning. (laughs) Just talk about how that, what that's done for your confidence and for your wanting to stay involved in projects like this and maybe some other ones down the road.
7: Okay, that was a very long question. She's good, she's perceptive. I love it. Okay, I'll try. But seriously, that was long. just saying. <laughs> um, um, uh, you know what? Can you repeat your question? Well, the first than? part is,
1: are you enjoying this part of it, of being a spokesperson and being out in the public and I doing the media? I love
7: it. I'm like a celebrity right now I was in, like just inside my school And everyone were like Oh I saw you on TV And I'm like Yeah that was
8: me
1: So is that making you Is that part of the bonus Of doing this And uh, is it encouraging you Or will it encourage you To stay active In, in these sorts of things Down the road
7: Yeah I think so Because like, I mean Not think so I'm sure about it Like because um, Just like Okay, in the morning when I went there, like, to the TV show, um, not TV show, to the Global News sh- China, like, when we got there, like, I was, like, scared, re- like, really nervous, so I was, all I was doing was laughing, <laughs> I tried, <laughs> but now I'm kind of, like, really not nervous, I think. Oh, you know think well you, I think you're doing yeah. great you yeah. know you're I'm a not natural <laughs> <laughs> like cuz at first I was like oh my god what am I going to do do you, like everyone is w- looking at me right now what am I going to do but now it actually boosts my confidence and I'm like I don't really care about who is watching or listening to me I even mean, stopped back
0: No your friend uh, that that has inspired you to be a part of this you said that your friend was affected by depression yeah. Yeah, how true. long has that been going on
7: Um okay so like um she died like 4 years ago she committed suicide and that was because she didn't talk to anyone about it so i yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
0: now carla when you hear something like that uh you know you it's your job as a teacher one to just sort of help these students get ready for life and what have you but here's a student who probably doesn't necessarily need your help because it sounds like she's already motivated. Uh, but what is your role in helping her go through this journey?
6: Do you know what the, as a teacher with a door open all the time, students are coming in and they're sharing their stories. And my role as the teacher is to listen. And when they come in and they're hurting or they're scared or they're worried about somebody, I listen And it's without judgment. It's reminding them that it is hard and that they're not alone. And then I do help them seek professional help. It's about as far as I can go is listen, but I do connect them with the right people when they need it.
1: As a teacher and being the heartbeat of the educational system. And I mean, we all remember what it was like to be back in school. We know what our experiences were. How has it changed uh, from being a student now to being a teacher in terms of your perception of what the educational system is doing to to help kids you know outside of of the traditional job of a teacher
6: are you speaking in the realms of the mental health support and such yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually very impressive. When you hear about the Run For It program, there are mental health education programs popping up all over the place, and they're absolutely necessary. In Manitoba, our phys ed curriculum has a mental health component built into it in grade 9, 10, and 11, and that's absolutely fantastic. I don't remember that in the 80s. (laughs) Health class was something else in the 80s. That's right. But today... (laughs) The, what we're doing in the Run For It program is in a lot more detail as well because this program was really about hope and recovery and the celebratory piece at the end. In the classes, there it goes into more depth, depth as well.
0: How many schools are involved in the run on Sunday, by the way? you know?
6: This, in Winnipeg, there are 30 schools that participated in the Run For It program with about 425 students. I don't know about across Canada the numbers, but there are 15 cities across Canada that ran the program this year. It's the second year of the program. There were only three schools across the country last year. Three wow. schools across the country <laughs> last year. That has
1: grown quickly. And now
6: in Winnipeg, we have 30 schools. That's and it's fantastic. All 15 cities coincide with the Run, uh, the Shoppers Love You Run series.
0: And are mm-hmm. they all going to be at, uh, Scalad, Leo, Remy Yes. yes. Oh. Yeah. Rens, are you going to, do you have any rivalries with any of these other schools? Well, the Royal's uh gonna throw (laughs) now.
5: We'll see when we get there. There, There'll be a lot of people, so.
0: Okay, we're gonna continue our conversation uh, with our new friends from Windsor Park Collegiate. We have in studio with us Precious Uzo, who is a student, as well as Renz Cruz, another student, and Carla Allen, who is a teacher, talking about the Run For It program, which culminates in the Run for Women taking place this Sunday. All Proceeds benefit the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. We'll have a look at your forecast up next.
1: That's a nice forecast for your run on Mother's Day, right, kids? You gotta, you gotta like that? Yeah, really or is like that, that too hot? You want us to back it off? <laughs> no, a I'm again. okay. I'm okay
5: with that. Yeah, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Precious Uzo is here along with Renz Cruz. That was Renz on the microphone just a moment ago. And Carla Allen is here. She's their teacher, Windsor Park Collegiate. They are hosting the Run for It uh, run. Well, actually, it's not gonna be at their school. I'm gonna pass. Pass it over to my bilingual friend here, who <laughs> so will uh, tell you what school it's going to be at. It's at, at
0: uh, Centre Scolaire Leoremiard on wow. uh, St. Oh. Anne's Road, at uh, or St. Anne's Road, uh, from my friend uh, Tristan, at 1095 St. Anne's Road, happening this Sunday. And uh, Renz, you've been a, a real cheerleader, a real champion for this event. Can you talk a little bit about how you've, uh, you've really campaigned to make this mm-hmm. uh, a big deal at your school and your community?
5: So you want me to talk about how I done that? Yeah.
0: What have you done? What steps have you taken to make well, this uh, a bigger brag
5: event? a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first step was our launch at our school, where um, I emceed with a fellow colleague in my group, a different one, and we started this launch to well before this launch we let the students watch a video in their home teams about the about uh, mental illness and to like to show how real it can be, and. Uh, with this launch, uh, we invited people from mods, uh, from Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba, over to like share their stories and how mental illness can be really real and it can it can really affect people in their hearts and mind. Um, along with that, we sent e- we sent a letter home to the students to to like uh, reach out to our community and all. And prior to that, we also well, my teacher and I also made announcements every morning to remind people about our activities in our school and about how they can join us. Well, they can join us anytime, really, so, so it doesn't really matter. And <laughs> there's also our, the thing we also did is like a registration table right outside of our office where we can just sit, sit there, uh, watch, watch students walking by or faculty members walking by and and I like, just call them over and see if they want to wanna to join in the Shoppers Love You run and want to join for a good cause to raise the stigma around mental illness and stuff like that. And how was the uptake? How was the response from your from your fellow well, classmates? From the first few days, uh, I was pretty disappointed, actually. <laughs> but as we kept going and we kept our energy going and high spirits, uh, we got more and more students and just coming last week, uh, well, our, la- our re- registration ended last week. Uh, before last week, we had like seventy-five. After last week, we ended up with one hundred thirty-nine st- uh, participants. Over.
1: Congratulations! That is very impressive. Very powerful.
5: Yeah, yeah.
0: for sure. It's, it's really kept you busy. Uh, <laughs> and Carla, you, you've mentioned that uh, we didn't have things like this in the in the eighties. I know that when I was going to school, we didn't have chats like this. Do you yeah. feel like? Uh, things are. Are you? Let me change the question. Are you inspired by the attitudes that these young people have today, and do you hope that it will help people who are maybe a little bit older and still fear the stigma?
6: Oh, absolutely! I tell these guys every day how proud I am of them and how I find them to be such an inspiration. Because many people who are suffering with mental illness, keep it inside. It's something they're afraid to share or afraid of judgment. And unfortunately, when you keep it inside, you can't get the treatment you need. And what's really amazing about the young people I'm working with today is their openness and their honesty to share and to recognize when they're having a hard time and to seek out help. And I don't think we did that when we were younger as often.
1: So I'm very impressed. Uzo, I'm going to ask you, you mentioned something a little bit off air about... Uh, you were born in Nigeria and you mentioned about what the attitude is like in the country that you were born. Uh, Canada's your home country, right? <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious, but talk about the country you were born and talk about the attitudes there. and And that might give us just a little bit of perspective about how far we've come, but it might remind us how far we have yet to go
7: um okay for some Nigerians, like most students like high school students don't talk about like um feeling depressed and other stuff about mental health issue because the moment you tell your parent or any other any older person that you have like a mental health in that means you are crazy or you need to go to like a psychiatric hospital or something like that like that's how worse it is and um for my friend, she was like suffering from depression based on like m- mostly because of um our school. Like she was like depressed over our schoolwork and everything because we are like all asked to like be on that eye position and study, study, study. We, our parents expected a lot from us and she wasn't doing that way at school. So she ended up taking up taking a life because no one actually she was trying to talk to people about what was going on, but no one was listening, so
1: We can learn a lot from that story. Yeah. Mm
7: -hmm.
0: I wish we had more time, but we are always racing against the clock. You guys are going to be racing on Sunday in the Run for Women, the Shoppers Love You Run for Women, happening at Santa Escalade, Leo Remyard, at 1095 St. Anne's Road. Our guests in studio today, you just heard the voice of Precious Uzo. She is a student at Windsor Park Collegiate. Renz Cruz, also a student at Windsor Park, and a teacher at Windsor Park, Carla Allen. They are from one of 30 schools participating in this event on Sunday. Thank you so much, the three of you, for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Global News at 2.30 is up next. 2.34 on this Thursday afternoon. That means the weekend's not far
1: away. One thing we won't be doing this weekend, taking a cruise on the Paddlewheel Princess. The Paddlewheel Princess has been off the river for a couple of years now, was for sale, and uh, it burned... Basically, do we say burn to the ground if it was in the (laughs) river? I'm not trying to be trite about it. Uh, Bottom line is uh, that boat is uh, now officially a part of history, if it wasn't already. Carolyn Clausen is with us in studio, our regular visit. And Carolyn, I know that uh, Global Television came to visit you today just to talk about the idea of nostalgia. And, of course, it's not exclusive to us here in Winnipeg, but there is a trigger point in terms of nostalgia and that's, uh, has to do with, uh, you don't know what you've got till it's gone.
2: That's right. Uh, but I think nostalgia is actually something that is good for us. Um, when I was being interviewed about the paddle wheel, I just, it called me back to my own paddle wheel story. Don't, I think most people my age have some sort of story when I was a little girl, probably five or seven, um, I won a colouring contest and I won a, a passes for myself, my siblings and two adults to go on the paddle wheel and we got free hot dogs and free pop and I was so excited to be able to drink Coke. I don't even remember much about the paddle wheel <laughs> other than standing, you know, against the railing looking out at the shore and being able to drink pop, which just never happened back then and I think it was my, my own nostalgia. What I, Like, what is it about that? Well, it was time with my brothers during a simpler time. It was time with people who can cared about me and I knew I was safe. It, it just sort of created a warm feeling. And the the research around nostalgia says that if you put people in a cold room and you ask them to think about warm thoughts, nostalgic thoughts about their childhood, they actually start to feel warmer. It brings a warm feeling to us. And so it helps loneliness. It decreases anxiety. It connects us to parts of ourselves that we have forgotten about that are really good. And so when we think about things that aren't there anymore but were good for us and remind us of our core values and the connections that gave us so much life, there is something that about nostalgia that is good for us.
0: Could it not though work against you if you start to if you think too much about things that, that you liked that were a part of your life and that are no longer a part of your life?
2: Well, I think you're talking about, is it helpful to live in the past? Yeah. And I don't think it is, but I think there's a big difference between staying stuck in the past and saying, I'm going through a hard time right now. Can I connect and kind of be a friend with myself? What kind of conversation can I have myself about the good old days that help me feel better about where I am right now in order to resource me to be able to to be better able to deal with the future and the present that I have right in front of me?
1: Well, I always find like when I go traveling that uh, it's, not too long before you have your hangout. Mm. You go to Port of Vallarta, you go to Cobb, you go to Anaheim, wherever you go for holiday Chicago. And really quick, I find, at least for me, and I think uh, some of my friends, is that all of a sudden, oh yeah, that's the place I hang out when I'm in Chicago. You have a familiar fa- a place, even though you're far away from home. We, we gravitate to things that, that uh, we, can, we can kind of nest in.
2: And I think some of that nesting is kind of a body experience, right? You remember how good it feels to be in that certain place in Chicago or Anaheim. And you want to recapture that feeling when you go there. And to some extent, you can capture that feeling anywhere if you just spend some time thinking about that. And I think some in this world that can have so much bombarding at us and so many stresses, if we have places we can go inside to calm ourselves and soothe ourselves... It and, and the remind ourselves of who we are, it makes us better people and makes us better able to deal with the present right that we have with us.
1: So, that's this in my mind the psychology of when people come to Winnipeg for a few days. Oh, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Uh, yeah, I was really uh, uneasy about going. And <laughs> yeah, the weather wasn't the greatest, when I was there, but the people are incredible. There is something special about that experience for people when they go somewhere and they're treated well hospitality
2: hospitality and don't we love it right when we go when we remember some of those places those restaurants or the teams that aren't there anymore but when they were there people were good to us and it felt good and we could have certain kinds of conversations and it felt so good and to be able to remember those feelings and they feel great let's take opportunity to enjoy that
1: Can we move on to the... Well, I think we can tie it all together, right?
0: (laughs) Well, you're the the master of Segway. Well,
1: you know, we're talking about Mother's Day. That was uh, the topic and the idea that uh, for some of us, Mother's Day is a difficult time. Because we either we've had um, a strenuous relationship or we have a strained, non existent relationship with our mothers, or our mother has passed on, as it is in my case. And so it is a time for nostalgia, for looking back. And so for every time I feel personally, I can speak. Uh, Last Saturday was my niece's first birthday, one Mm. of my nieces, right? Right. And so all the little kids, all the cousins, my kids and my brother's kids are all together. And all I can think about for different Mm. pockets of time is, oh my God, how much my mom would have loved to have been there on Saturday. And so it doesn't completely overwhelm the positivity of that event, but it's a big part and a, a step that even 15 years later, I'm still trying to recognize and to deal with. Because for some people, well, it gets easier, the years go by. For me, mm. it's actually getting more difficult because it's more, it's more, more, more things that my mom is missing that she will never see and that she's never seen.
2: And you would have loved to enjoy her enjoying it. Right. Okay. Well, I think you're right. Mother's Day, many of us have experiences of um, mother, painful mothering experiences or being mothered in painful ways. And those of us that have those experiences, I think um, they are there all the time. But then you get an occasion like Mother's Day where, Hallmark and the Florist and, you know, all sorts of places say this is a time to celebrate mothers. Uh, and it just scrapes open the wounds in, in sort of this expectation that everybody should be thinking warm and fuzzy feelings makes those cold and lonely feelings that much more obvious. And it's, it, and it's at times, I think, people who have had painful mothering or being mothered experiences, it feels like their faces are getting rubbed in it this week. And it's a hard week for a lot of people around Mother's Day.
0: That doesn't mean, though, that we shouldn't be openly celebrating Mother's Day, should it?
2: No, I think it's important to celebrate the mothers in our lives and, and to, to many people have those good experiences, but I think it's really important to hold space for those who are going to be grieving this weekend, for those who are going to be bitter or sad, who are are just going to have some of those really painful experiences opened up and to sort of assume that everybody is loving mothering on the weekend um, and, and sort of this expectation that we all drink that Kool-Aid isn't fair to the other people. And so I loved when you said, can we just hold space for those for whom Mother's Day is a hard time and that this is just a bit of a sacred space to say, yeah, we know that some of the listeners are hurting now because of how they were mothered or how they wish they could have mothered and weren't able to.
1: Uh, And you bring up another part of the equation, and that might be mothers who have lost children along the way, right?
2: To honor Mother's Day by going to visit the cemetery, oh, it almost chokes me up, right? Like that's a really painful way to... um, Spend Mother's Day is to remember the child that you bore and that you lost. Absolutely, it's a difficult time. And uh, I think there's a lot of empty arms um, on Sunday that ache even more than usual.
0: What about if, uh, you know, for example, for women who are now moms, mm-hmm. uh, but their their mothers have died uh, and, and they're sort of in that stage where they've gone from being the daughter to being the mother I've never really thought about it like that, but can that be difficult for moms who are like celebrating Mother's Day with their kids, but their moms are no longer part of their lives?
2: It's a really intense time where you do so much focusing on mothering and being mothered. And so uh, Sunday, when we celebrate Mother's Day, is a time for those who haven't lost mothers, who have lost their mothers, like, how am I passing that on? My mother's, you know, the, the attributes of her that she gave to me, how can I have those seen in my own parenting towards my child. And there, it's can be quite nostalgic either in beautiful or painful ways as you contemplate being mothered. And then now being with your children and, and mothering them for sure.
0: going to continue our chat with Carolyn Clausen in a moment. She is a therapist with Connexus Counseling, their website, connexuscounseling.ca. She has a wonderful blog there that gets updated regularly. We're going to continue our chat after your forecast up next. I'm Greg. He's Brett. Hi.
1: Hi. Hope you're having a great Thursday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in. Carolyn Claussen is with us. She is a therapist with Connexis Counseling, connexuscounseling.ca, hardwired for connection and we're uh, really exploring that idea this afternoon. As we're talking about Mother's Day because that hardwire for some people has been broken along the way.
2: Right. And and one of the we are hardwired for connection and one of the reasons why we are hardwired for that is because as infants, we are born completely helpless unless we have our caregivers, who in almost all cases is our mothers looking after us. Infants do not survive. Like that connection between caregiver and child, usually mother and child, that bond is essential to life. And so that that bond is often an example or a model for how other bonds and attachments are crafted throughout life. And so that really that first Relationship that we have, not always, but most often with mothers, is incredibly foundational for the rest of our lives.
0: So, if somebody is uh, going into this weekend for whatever reason, the the relationship with their mother is is no longer in existence. Whether it is because mom has passed away or uh, the relationship is estranged, uh, while they're looking around and seeing the the hallmarkiness of the whole thing with you know. Buy your mom a card or buy flowers or whatever. Any sort of strategies to to help get through that?
2: I think it's helpful to know that it's okay for you to have your own story. And if you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings around your experience of being mothered by your mother, that you have the right to have the feelings that you do. And when you see, you know, if you go take a bike ride through a park, there'll be endless numbers of people having picnics on Sunday. And it... For pre- for people who weren't mothered by somebody who could mother them well, whether that was because of alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever was going on, their own woundedness prevented them from having a warm connection with you as their child, I think it's okay to sort of notice those feelings of pain. And to recognize that that's a pretty normal feeling, and to not have that feeling of sort of regret or almost jealousy of how they got something that I really would have loved, that that's, it would be weird to not have that feeling and to sort of notice that 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 feeling is there and to give extend compassion towards it and to know that to feel that feeling is just because you're human. And to allow yourself to feel it, to call a friend and talk about it, to let somebody else into your story and to let them know that they're sorry too.
1: If you have somebody around you, and this will just be advice from my own point of view, uh, just having someone acknowledge the fact that, you know what? Hey, I know this might be a rough day for you. Right. a, A hug or a pat on the back and just like, just, you don't have, we don't have to talk about it, but just, you know what? Just say, hey. I know it's probably, you know, mixed emotions that you have today. Uh, just want to know that I I got your back.
2: And it doesn't fix it, but it does share the load. And that is profoundly meaningful when we don't have the care of a mother to have the care of somebody else.
1: I want Hallmark, if they're listening, you mentioned the Hallmarkiness of it all. Mm-hmm. I'd like for them to have a section of cards that just back it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, all these cards want to say everything, all in 60, 30, 25, nine words, whatever it may be. I'm looking for a card. I don't have to say it all. And and there's a lot of pressure, right, to, to deliver that card. And sorry, but sometimes those cards say too much.
2: Right. You know, there's a lot of superlatives on those cards, right? Mm-hmm. Best mother they, ever. They don't necessarily apply. Right. Back it off a bit. Right. <laughs> there was a lot of mothers that did, and myself, we did the best we could. But I know that I wasn't a perfect mom. I know that I let my kids down and that bothers me. But I'd like, I'm okay with them being straight up about it and us having a conversation about it to sort of pretend that I was some sort of perfect mom. That doesn't seem real or authentic at all.
0: So, am I understanding that we should have a card that says, "Well, hey, mom, you you did your best. I'm kind of screwed up because because you didn't get it right, but hey, you tried.
1: Awesome. Yes, it would. (laughs) (laughs) What?" And you're kind of forced to write that yourself when, you know, you know when you're uh, you're in love and you, you find that perfect card, oh my gosh, it's saying everything I'm feeling. But there's no card that says most of what I'm feeling when I'm buying a card for someone that I kind of like, uh, but I don't necessarily want to tell them that you're the greatest at whatever this is of all time, because you're not. <laughs> I just like to have that option for once. <laughs> I mean, what if you just get a blank card? Yeah, then I, then it's in my writing, and then uh, there's all sorts of other issues involved. But I'm just saying, you know, I, just I back I, it I, off a little bit.
2: I think it would be profoundly human and humorous for me to get a card for my kids that, <laughs> that acknowledges that we weren't perfect along the way, that we had warts and bumps, and yeah. that in the end we've done okay. Mom, you were more than adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Even just adequate
0: <laughs> Well uh, and you know what you're right, if because if, if not for you know the, 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 the best intentions but failed efforts of parents, there people like you wouldn't be employed, right? At least in the, the your form of employment.
2: Well, I think you're right. Um, a lot of what we what we work on in therapy often is sort of the, the finishing of parenting that wasn't done by parents. And there's a lot of people who want to do their best as parents and they come up short because of how they were parented or because of life challenges. And so this isn't just bashing bad parents. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to no. suck as a parent, Right. It's hard to be a good parent. It it, it drains you. It, it's everything that you think it's going to be times ten in terms of how hard it is, and so people are doing the best they can, and for and for some people that's falling short. Um, that just simply is that way because somebody's best isn't always enough for a child, and I think we have to allow space for people to talk about it and for us to work as a culture to recognize that.
0: How much of your work does end up pointing back to the parents? I mean, how many people come to see you with whatever is on their mind and inexorably it leads back to something mom did or something dad did?
2: Well, quite often actually, because often some of those very initial attachment injuries end up being quite significant. But I think it's important to recognize that the parents were doing the best they can and the children are always seeing parenting through the eyes of a four-year-old or a five-year-old with limited perspective, right? And so when it seems like dad was never around, maybe they don't understand that dad had to work that many hours to keep food on the table, right? And there's things that they can't understand, and and children are by nature narcissistic, where they think that they are the sun and everybody else is the planets. And so when dad isn't around as much, they think, oh, dad must think I'm bad, They don't have the capacity to understand there's probably some really good reasons why mom or dad can't be with me the way that I want them to be.
1: Even to this day, and Brett, you know the kind of schedule I worked for the last six, seven years. Yep. And a lot of that was very conscientiously, so I could take my kids to school and pick them up. I couldn't do it every day, but more often than not, I did both or at least one every single day. And so now that I'm a lot busier, my kids sometimes have to go into what they call the after-school program, and every single time that we tell them that they have to be in after-school, there is a moan and a groan. And sometimes it's just once a week, but it's what they've gotten used to. And so that idea of comparing their situation to somebody else's isn't all that attractive at 10 or 11.
2: Well, what, what your children can't possibly know and what none of us like to acknowledge is that when our parents are imperfect towards us, it allows us to build in the capacity of loving somebody even though they're not perfect, which is an essential skill to growing up in life. We need to see our parents as imperfect people who love us anyways because part of growing up as a child is learning to absorb the disappointments of life and knowing that... Your, your kids knowing that you care about them whether or not you pick them up from school, that sometimes they don't get that and that you and they are still OK, that they you're still madly in love with them and that this is something that they need to recognize as hard, but that they can do hard things.
1: And that they're going to be doing plenty of disappointing the <laughs> other way and we're going to love you just as much no matter what.
2: That's how human relationships are. They're imperfect and messy and beautiful and Utterly important.
0: Carolyn Claussen is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. The website, connexuscounseling.ca. A
1: little honesty
2: goes a long way.
1: Referring back to our last conversation with Carolyn Claussen, Greg Mackling, and Brett McGarry with you. 307 on the Thursday afternoon. It might be the beginning of your work week. Some of us are ramping up for the weekend. If you work odd hours, maybe you are a shift worker, frontline worker, Thank you for doing the stuff that you do so we can do the stuff we do on our days off. Brett McGarry, I was mentioning the idea that maybe we could have greeting cards that were more honest. Mm-hmm. Found a couple. Figured there'd be something somewhere yeah, online. Yeah, so much for my great business idea that I was going to launch tonight. I'm only with you because I'm afraid of being alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like pretty it. good. You make me feel invincible. That's a little mushy. Uh, let's see here. There was one. You're the least worst. <laughs> I like that. I love you more than cheese. That's a tough sell. I love you just not in that way. <laughs> Okay. These are from the website Etsy, E-T-S-Y dot com. So if you're looking for a card to express the way you feel in an unorthodox fashion and you're you're not as clever as uh, maybe someone who could come up with these things on their own, I'm bookmarking this myself. Uh, You can check them out. They've got some neat cards and you can actually print them off yourself. I Other love the online. They're about four bucks each.
0: I like that idea. Those and clearly, those are cards to purchase for only. You would only give that to somebody with a sense of humor that you are fully aware of, right? Especially that first one. What was it? I'm only with you because I'm afraid of dying alone, of <laughs> being alone, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I mean, that I think that's hilarious, right? But you, there are a lot of people that you wouldn't dare give that card to. I personally hate buying. The sappy cards that you get at the card, whether it's Hallmark or Carlton or whatever, mm-hmm. the ones that say, and in this case, it's talking about mom. But I always gravitate towards the funny cards, and I know that my mom has always said, "Why don't you get ever get me a nice card?" And why is that, Brett? Why have I, you never bought not, your mom? I don't feel the message. I've. You know what? That's not true. I did find a Christmas card that was specifically for, uh, for moms. That I thought, you know what, this this rings true. This is honest because my mom has always worked super hard at making Christmas awesome. But d- the general kind of floofy cards—that's a Dr. Seuss word, I think. I didn't just make that up. Um, I just don't like them because I always—they're fe- just too sappy. That's not how I speak, and I don't need a card to to make it up. I always feel like the funny cards are more honest. For me personally, and so are the sappy ones.
1: Are they inaccurate in terms of what they're expressing? You ju- or you just wouldn't express it that particular way.
0: Yeah, I, they're not necessarily wrong, but I just would never, would very rarely talk like that. It would. It, I, I think there would there would probably have to be a significant uh, assist from Sailor Jerry for me to. To make deliver a message in that sense, are you are you and
1: I love you, man, drinker. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) (laughs) I got a couple buddies like that. (laughs) Just it's just like, yep, beer seven in. You know exactly what they've been up to based on the text message, or you show up at their house, or there's a get together, and maybe you're late arriving. Oh, yeah, I know how many you've had based on your opening remarks to me. (laughs) My friend uh, Kristen Miller uh, is listening uh, loyally and faithfully to the show. She sent me this text message. She says, here's one of my favorite cards uh, that I got. Uh, Kristen received a heart transplant about five years ago. Oh my! And so we've been friends for going on 10 years now. Uh, I guess it's closer to eight. Uh, I don't like to exaggerate. Eight is probably more accurate. And uh, she said, here's one of my favorites that I got. While she was recovering from her uh, from her heart transplant, I promise never to refer to your
0: illness as a journey unless someone takes you on a cruise. Oh, <laughs> nice! I, you know, oh boy, you know what? I think I may have used the word journey for that kind of stuff. See, it just—I uh, don't the, know if I have, but I, it, it, that's yeah, that's. It sounds like the kind of word from that you from somebody who has good intentions. Of, of- course. They all come from good intentions. Yeah. But I guess that it's to pull out the cliche, the, all, the eh. road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? That's I've heard that once or twice. You should put that on a
1: greeting card. Uh, my wife and I gave up on cards about 10 years ago. This is a text at 204-780-6868. We tell each other how we feel face-to-face, 25 years and still going. That's from Kev.
0: That leads me to, and I appreciate the thought, and this is, I know it's not the same thing, but I got into an argument with somebody once who... They wanted to send thank you cards, and I thought, can't you just like, isn't it good enough just to say thank you? Well, and for, I know, for what though? Ah, I can't remember what it was. I, I just personally like, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if I'm thankful for somebody, I'll just look a person in the eye and say thank you, and and make sure that they, they simply know. That I don't. I'm not saying that if you send a thank you card, I won't be appreciative of it. But I personally, I'm not, I'm not a, a thank you card sender i don't know i love getting a thank you card <laughs> <laughs> you that's the what, end of the statement <laughs> i can see looking you're, you love getting them but you don't like sending oh, them i hate
1: sending them out i mean yeah i hear exactly what you're saying but you know i try and wear the flip side of it and it's, and it's nice to get a thank you card oh it was so nice that you came to the birthday and you and I, when they refer to the gift that you took you know, six seconds or six hours or six days, picking out and they remember and they acknowledge the specific thing that they gave you. You gave them. I, there's something kind about that.
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Maybe it's kind of sweet. Maybe
0: I'm just lazy.
1: You need another Slurpee, is what you need. You have a sugar uh, crash uh, upon you, and, and maybe that's altering
0: your view on this stuff. I do like Slurpees. More two Slurpees in a day sounds like a good day.
1: Uh, we wanted to get some uh, to some honest uh, conversation, honest expression, but. We probably should uh, update weather and traffic and that sort of thing and try and sneak the Steve Harvey thing in maybe a little bit later on. Steve Harvey has sent out a memo to his staff, and I think a lot of us would be offended by it, and I think a lot of us would like to send out a memo exactly or very similar so that we could get our work done. We'll share that with you later on.
0: We also have prizes to give away, more Chris Jericho tickets. Uh, Not right now. Don't call right now. Thank you, Greg. Greg just blocked out the lines. Not right now. And we have more uh, Cirque du Soleil tickets to give away for Mother's Day. We have another story to read, and maybe it's your story. And if it is your story, that means you're going to see Cirque du Soleil, Cabinet of Curiosities, Curios with your mom. But we've got a look at traffic and a look at weather up next. Craig Mackling, Brett McGarry. Steve Harvey. He's worked so hard to get back in the
1: good graces of America and, I guess, Canadian viewers since that mess up at the Miss America pageant uh, just over a year ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the family feud, he does a really good job hosting that family feud. I don't know if you walk down that street of nostalgia every once in a while. (laughs) It's kind of neat to see him hosting that show. And, I, you know, I kind of dig him. He does that show with the kids. I don't know when he ever sleeps.
0: Yeah, he works a lot now that you pointed out.
1: You know, and so this might be the source of this memo because he's starting season five of his talk show and he's, he's moved it to Los Angeles. I don't know where it was before. Maybe it was in uh, Chicago or something. I don't know. Anyway, here's a memo that he put out to his staff. And some people, uh, their feathers are a little bit ruffled by this. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. I'd like you all to review and adhere to the following notes and rules for season five of my talk show. Now, you see, there's where language matters. (laughs) I think if he words that a little bit differently, it doesn't come across quite as harsh. Anyway, there will be no meetings in my dressing room. No stopping by or popping in. Capital letters, no one. Do not come to my dressing room unless invited. Do not open my dressing room door. Here's capital letters. If you open my door, expect to be removed. My security team will stop everyone from standing at my door who have the intent to see or speak to me. I want all the ambushing to stop now. Now we're getting at the heart of the of the issue. That includes TV staff. You must schedule an appointment. I've been taken advantage of by my lenient policy in the past. This ends now. Capital letters. No more. Do not approach me while I'm in the makeup chair unless I ask to speak with you directly. Either knock or use the doorbell. I am seeing I'm seeking, pardon me, more free time for me throughout the day. Do not wait in the hallway to speak to me. I hate being ambushed. Please make an appointment. I promise you I will not entertain you in the hallway and do not attempt to walk with me. If you're reading this, yes, I mean you. Everyone, do not take offense to the way, the new way of doing business. It's good. It's for the
0: good of my personal life and enjoyment. Thank you all, Steve Harvey. Wow, that's tough. That's tough, and I, I think it's tough for a couple of reasons because I kind of see both sides of the coin. I think, for example, uh, just in our office alone, the, the the office of our program director, often the door is closed because that's the only way any work gets done because people constantly popping in and out with various questions or concerns, and I often wonder, I often feel guilty if I have a, a question and I'm knocking on the door because I see whoever's in there looking down, uh, trying to do some work, trying. Is the keyword. So, for a guy like Steve Harvey, who is, as you pointed out, doing all sorts of things, he's got a lot of things on his mind, and it's his job to be on when he's doing whatever it is of the 19 gigs that he has going on. Right. So, to tell people, listen, I need my own space. I get the message, but I do think that there's a better way. Wait, is that to uh, John Loveland? Yeah. <laughs> John Loveland, he's currently occupying the corner office right now for us from Global News. What,
1: you talking about me? Yes, John,
0: we're talking about you. <laughs> he's learning very, he's learning quickly. I don't know how they do things over at Global TV downtown, but he's learning quickly that not a lot of work gets done here unless that door is closed. Yeah, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. So with Steve's case, I, I sort of agree with this. But I think there's a there's a, a simpler way to do it. It's just listen, guys. I like you. I love you. I respect you. But if my door is closed, don't even you know just. The door is closed.
1: Yeah, obviously this went too far or it had gone too far for Steve in terms of him getting any time. And so you see that in the language, right? This has been going on for far too long. Well, yeah, if he would have addressed it a little bit earlier, he wouldn't have had to say as much mm-hmm. and might have been able to take the approach that that you took. Time bandits are everywhere. I know because I'm one.
0: <laughs> You're a time bandit? Oh, I'm terrible <laughs> at it. <laughs>
1: I apologize to everyone I steal time from. I apologize. I'm so sorry.
0: Well, we're just it's just about time to have a look at your forecast and then have a look at sports. It all starts in two minutes.
1: Phone lines are blocked. Mandatory to do before we start uh, giving stuff away because, you know, I know some of you like to jump on the opportunity to get these tickets to see Chris Jericho. I get it. I want to see him too. But we're not opening the phone lines until we ask the question. So, yes, we're going to do that now. I'm Greg. He is Brett.
0: Welcome to Raw is Jericho! To beat the box office tickets to Chris Jericho, the words of Jericho. Friday, August 25th at the Club Regent Event Center. Today's question goes back to his days in WCW where he had a feud with a wrestler named Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holds. Jericho says he knew more holds. How many holds did Jericho know? Oh my. 204 780
1: Is that the video you were watching?
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. Where he's got the scroll <laughs> that goes down to the floor. Yeah. 204-780-6868 is the number to call.
1: Oh, the How many
0: holds did Chris Jericho know? In the meantime, while Jeff Forte is dealing with that, we got a letter from our pal, Not A Dude. We did, and more gifts.
1: Oh, oh the music ended oh, no. rather
0: abruptly there. That was I, I
1: turned it off. Oh, I was enjoying the music. Okay, I'll just let it go then. I love your music beds, by the way. <laughs> This one's a little lengthier than uh, some of the others. It's typed. Okay. And printed on, um, it's not quite vellum paper, but it's very close. It's oh, high yeah. oh quality. Yes. Uh, That's some paper serious paper. This from is not like, a dude. You, like you kind of only use if you're applying for a job. Oh, yeah. like This is like out of the reserve stock. <laughs> so we appreciate right. you sharing that with us, not a dude. Um, dear Greg, came to me. Okay. I'm much relieved to hear that I'm not creeping you guys out with these notes. This is note number six, I believe. And we have uh, apparently a bone to pick with somebody in the building. Oh. I digress. I have not got any good suggestions for what I should be called. I uh, am a fan of acronyms, so my mind keeps turning not a dude into NAD. That (laughs) would not help with the masculine vibe. I will trust you. Uh, fine sirs to come up with something more appropriate as for what 90 sitcom best represents you guys i am more than a little surprised that seinfeld didn't come up in the conversation seinfeld comes up when people are talking about our show more often than not the show about nothing uh, certainly applies on certain days swap the superman references for simpsons and this angle is pretty dead on it even works if you bring julie and richard in on the action Okay. Now for a change of pace. I usually write the intention with the intention of adding a touch of merriment to your day. But in the light of recent Jimmy Kimmel story, I am going on a different route. This month marks a milestone for me as I've officially exceeded my sans surgery life expectancy. When I was born, a rather significant heart defect was missed. 80s medicine wasn't quite to the standard that we have come to expect today. Left unchecked, it caused a slew of other issues and a smattering of permanent damage. The surgeons fixed what they could, and now everything is coming up Millhouse, I would really appreciate it if you could work in a shout-out to the dedicated people behind the Heart and Stroke Foundation and toss in a plug for their big bike event coming up in June. Well, you just did it. Thanks, Not A Dude. More info is available, by the way, at www.bigbike.com ca. There is a PS here. I should clarify something. The montage request was actually number letter number five. I had sent number four to Mr. Hal Anderson. Uh oh. I am certain. I am uncertain as to why he would not have mentioned it to you. Perhaps he heard uh, tell of Brett's reaction to Tristan's gifts and feared for the safety of his Star Wars card and Dune stickers ah. featuring Sting and P P P S. Two Ps, not three. Gold stars again for getting Brett out of the building and over to Silo Mission. I hope that you guys like Marvel and we do. Loki and Thor. I don't know where these are from. They're uh, mini Lego figurines from yeah, they're some LEGO time compatible. ago. Compatible? Mm.
0: Oh, compatible! Sorry, little Lego and uh, Lego Thor and Loki. That's awesome. I'm super nerdy, so that's amazing. Thank you, Not A Dude. And hey, we have to congratulate Kristen Reinish. I hope I am pronouncing your name correctly, Kristen. Uh, Kristen Reinish correctly answered the Chris Jericho trivia question today, which went back to his days in WCW, where he had a feud with Dean Malenko, who was known as the man of a thousand holds. Chris Jericho says he knows more holds. How many was the question? The answer... One thousand and four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a clip here, Forte. So if Are you can make play sure my is back, one thousand and four. Well, I've got a chunk of it here. Here's how it went down on the air on WCW Nitro on March 30th, 1998.
1: Malenko, you claim to be the man of a thousand holds, but I counted, and you know about sixty. But I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one. Arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss-covered, 3 handle family grandunzel. Why doesn't he Number just four, mail us this list and we'll announce arm bar. it? Is that Gorilla Monceau? five, the Saskatchewan
0: spinning nerve hole. This must be meathead <laughs> <with> microphone <laughs> night. He's got 998 to go. 99. Get the hook are
6: out of here. Shut
0: up. Press. 10. <laughs> <laughs> what? The Saskatchewan spinning nerve hole? I don't know. What, I don't know what that is. I don't want to find out that's either. That's classic. That is, that's one of the great things about Chris Jericho. He was so creative, and I think he really was unique in that sense, that he was able to bring that kind of level of just off-the-wall... Creativity. He was such a great communicator. And he's one of the greatest wrestlers that has ever stepped into the squared circle. So, Kristen Reinisch, enjoy the tickets. You are going to see The Words of Jericho. August 25th, Club Region Event Center. We have one more pair of tickets to give away. We also have a pair of tickets to give away for Cirque du Soleil, Cabinet of Curiosities. Curios, we have a story to read. We will read that story after we hear from Julie and Richard to tee up the news. Up
1: next. I just realized my workspace is a little untidy here. I've got my iPhone, two pens, a watch, a letter, a stack of papers, and my Lego-compatible Loki and Thor figures that one of our fans sent to us. So I apologize. I'll have this all gone before you sit here, Jimmy Buckingham. When do your fans
8: send Imperial cookies?
1: Oh, you're back on the Imperial <laughs> cookies Until
8: I get this dealt with, then. Yeah,
1: okay. I'll, is I'll it get a it. craving?
8: That, uh, I, I think so. I think so. They've invited me by uh, the Prairie Ink Bakery to try theirs. Oh, they said research is important. You know, I was like, "Well, research is important." You're
0: dedicated to your craft. Where is that again?
8: Uh, is McNally that
0: Robinson. Oh yes, of course. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's but one of my can't, favorite places, can't. I can't, McNally Robinson. can't
8: eat a Thor figurine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to. You, you, you were eating kale earlier. That's was. pretty similar. I think that's maybe yeah, why me. I have a
8: craving for an imperial cookie is because I was eating a Brussels sprout and kale chopped salad. Yeah,
0: you get what oh, you reap. A, what you sow, Buckingham. That sounds like a Richard Cluej meal.
8: Well, we can My only aspire to such influence is spreading on this
1: newsroom. You know that. Good yeah, for you, Richard. Uh, it, it is. Except with McGarry. R- Richard, are you, taking Mind some, who, are you taking tomorrow off?
8: Don't ask him why. He's yeah. just leaving. Yeah, I'm not asking him
0: why. I'm just asking if he's taking tomorrow off. He's taking tomorrow off. He's on a research assignment tomorrow.
8: Yes, he's on assignment. Okay. All what's right. On,
0: what, speaking of assignments, what's <laughs> coming up today on the news? Richard, we'll start with you. Good idea. Uh, lots going. How fast was this person going?
8: Uh, which One. The There's big one, two of them. The big one. 257 kilometers per hour. I
0: said, pardon?
8: 257. I thought that the officer made a mistake. I thought he even meant to say 157. What
1: was he driving? We're going to tell you
0: all about it coming up on the news. I hate you. Just tell us now. <laughs> no, I know, I know it defeats the purpose of a, of a tease, of a hook. No, that's a good tease. Okay, I want what, to know. Else? what else?
8: Uh, we'll talk about the crickets in the field.
0: Crickets in the Field.
8: Crickets in the Field and the Caterpillars, caterpillars in on the
0: trees. trees. I think you should write wow. a song about that. Cats in the Cradle. No, Wow. No, that and those are work. all
8: different stories, just so you know.
0: Okay. The Crickets in the Field. I'm curious about the that crickets one. Crickets
8: in the Field and the, the Caterpillars in the tree. They're all different stories.
0: Good. We're out of here. Okay. okay thank you very much, Ta-da. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. See you all the great coach. stuff on the news from 4 until 7 on Research. 680 CJOB. Research, yeah. uh, sure. we With the last couple of minutes that we have left here, we want to... Read our latest story for Mother's Day for the Cirque du Soleil Curios Cabinet of Curiosities. We've been inviting you to go to CJOB.com. Tell us tell us a story about why your mom rocks, and then we just sort of go through it and pick stories at random. And today we have landed on Ruth Grew. And Ruth, I hope I'm spelling your or pronouncing your last name correctly. Ruth Grew has written a tribute. It's called A Tribute to My Brave Mom. My mom's voice shook as she made breakfast. I was so sick last night, I almost died. I heard that story many times during my growing up years. Quote, I woke up dad to help me, and then it went away. She always seemed fine in the morning. I worried. Was it her heart? But the doctor said her heart was fine. Years later, I figured it out. Mom had nocturnal panic attacks. How would I know that? Because I had those same terrifying episodes, and like her, I was sure I was having a heart attack and dying. I was the fortunate one. My generation began talking about mental illness. I got the right information, and I got the right help. Poor mom. She suffered alone. She dare not tell a friend or ask for help, because in her day, stigma made her hide her fears, They would say she was making it up or that she was looking for attention or the worst. They might call her crazy or loony. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up. You kept fighting those fears and kept making us breakfast. What a strong and brave mother you were. I love you, Mom. Once again, that is from Ruth Grew. And Ruth is going to now. And she, I believe she wants to honor her mother by taking her daughter to the show. Once again, it's Curios, Cabinet of Curiosities, Cirque du Soleil, which opens June 2nd, by the way, under the big top, Sterling Line Parkway in Keniston.
1: Powerful story, Ruth. Thank you for trusting it with us. Thank you for letting us read it on the air. It's our honor to send you and your daughter to uh, Curios.
0: It is 3.54, which means that's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Jeff Fortier has a big smile and master control. Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham are coming up next